whoever you can learn from that you can prove really knows what they're doing and, and research it, go with them to learn a model and then decide to pivot. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the e-commerce leader call-in show, especially on the call-in app of that same name and an all good podcast channels near you. Today, we are talking with our usual um, panel, Jason Miles, Chris Green, Kyle Haber, and myself, Michael Vesey, three of us in the US of A and one of us over the pond in London, England. And we are talking today on, a, I think, a really important topic that came out of a discussion we had off air, which we all feel quite passionately about it, but really one with the other. And that is how to decide on an e-commerce business model. Quite often, a lot of us get presented with a course through Facebook ads, through YouTube, through whatever else it may be. Or maybe we know a friend that is selling on a particular model on a particular channel, and we start to go down a rabbit hole with that, when in fact, sometimes looking at the picture from a bigger sort of 50,000 foot view could be a really important prelude. So gents, looking forward to your takes on this and warm welcome to everyone who's listening in from Jason's Facebook uh, group as well. So let's kick off with you, Chris. I know that your very website has multiple business models that you've successfully taken to seven figures. Um, so obviously you're a man that has a great deal of background in multiple different business models. So what are your thoughts on how we even begin to get our heads around this? I think if somebody has this question, I would be a great person to talk to, to be honest. And I say that as someone who has done a lot of different things that I've enjoyed, things that I've enjoyed less. I don't want to say like things I didn't enjoy. There's always something I enjoy about them. But a lot of times, if you start something because of the, the thrill or the interest of simply trying new things, then once it's not new anymore, it's not fun anymore. And a lot of these things, I almost like writing my own autobiography in a sense of figuring out these things myself and then saying, oh my gosh, I see other people struggling with things that I used to struggle with and I just want to help them and share information and kind of help them get skip the learning process that I went through over 20 years of trying different things. And like you said, multiple different business models, multiple seven-figure different uh, business models. So I've got a pretty good idea of the different ways that you can do business and make money on the internet. And those different ways are going to match up with different people differently. And sometimes people don't know exactly why they're getting into it. Sometimes people don't realize that they actually have undiagnosed adult ADHD. Sometimes they don't realize like why they're even doing it in the first place. Other than just scratch a niche. Sometimes people do not have a good work-life balance to where they like can focus on saying something. This is this is work, even if it's sometimes fun, sometimes not. And then this is not work. This is where I'm just going to have fun and not worry about things. And I see people getting confused on all of these things all of the time. And, and like you said, they see a Facebook ad and it looks really easy and fun and you're going to make a ton of money without even having to do any work. So you get involved and you go down this rabbit trail then you find out you don't like it and then you've wasted time. But because you've wasted so much time, you're like, oh, I've committed to it. So now I need to, I need to stick around and spend more time instead of cutting your losses and trying something new. And you get completely overwhelmed. And that's why, honestly, I think you should join communities on Facebook, on Discord, hire coaches like me or, or the other hosts here. Do what you can to 
figure out what you need to do, what's the best match for you personally, for your goals, for your uh, specific skills and talents, for your interests. And if you can match that up, you're just going to have such a higher chance of real success instead of hopping from next thing to next thing, which again is something I see very common where people like to go from thing to thing because they're interesting. It's like that shiny object syndrome. And if you don't get that under control, you're going to hop from thing to thing and you're never really going to get really good at any one thing. And that's going to prevent you likely from getting to the goals, especially the income goals that you're trying to get with your business. So it's complicated. It's a big question. It's something that isn't always something you can answer in, in a quick, short, little hot take. But if someone has the time and the resources to hire somebody for a, a 30-minute, one-hour coaching call, or even just 15 minutes, if you can get with somebody at an event and sit down for lunch, buy somebody a beer, that's going to put you on the right track, in, in my opinion and, and my experience. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it, because I'm coming to at it from more of a newbie point of view, where I know you guys work with more established or, or people that have been doing a certain business model for a longer period of time. Yeah, very interesting points there, Chris. Thank you. So Jason, obviously, as Chris says that we have slightly different clients that we tend to focus on. And it's quite an interesting collision of, of worlds in some ways. We have a lot in common in this forum. And we also work with very different people. So Jason and Kyle, um, let's come to you, Jason, first. I know that you obviously started from a very specific business model. And, and like Chris, to some degree, over time, you've added business models, as it were, to your business. And that the clients you work with also come from a variety of business models and, and channels, which I guess are different things, right? So what's your take on... You know, what does this question even mean? What is a business model? And, and how do you guide your clients through that? Well, it's a great topic. I love the the questions uh, that we're getting at here. I was just looking through my book. To, I have a list of business mo- e-commerce business models I want to cut and paste into the chat and share with everybody because literally there's 18 or 20 that are very prominent, very doable, very well marketed out there as options. And I I love this topic because it was was a personal point of struggle for me for 10 years. I heard about making money online in 1998 and I wanted to do it. I literally didn't know how to do it for 10 years. A decade went by and it was really 2008 that we started to put together our eBay business. And that's how we started was selling handmade items on eBay. And before Etsy was a thing, we sold our handmade items at auction on eBay. And that was our business model, handmade items auctioned. <laughs> you know, that's a very unique business model, but some people pull it off really well. You can have multi-million dollar outcomes with that business model if you're an artist. But but I think the to your point, uh, Chris, previously, this has almost gotten to the point where over the last 15, 20 years, there's so many viable business models. You almost need to take something like a college introduction to how like in philosophy, there's like introduction to philosophy and you hear all these, the people who made these models or whatever. It's almost like that for e-commerce now, because there are, we could rattle them off here just off the top of our head. A lot of people get into it through retail arbitrage and then they learn about online arbitrage and then they learn about curbside arbitrage and then they learn about wholesaling and then they learn about private label the original private label. Then they hear hear about product customization and having your own unique products made. And then they hear about digital publishing and course creation and what digital goods. And and then they hear about merch. And then they hear about uh, what else? You guys chime in here if you want, but there's so many that come to mind. I'm going to hop in because this is the hot take show. Yeah. Right. You can scroll, go to the amazon.com homepage. And we're just talking about Amazon. We're not talking about any other platforms at this exact second. Just go to the yeah. Amazon homepage, scroll to the bottom, and there is a link that says make money with us. Mm-hmm. I counted them up one time. There's over 20 different ways yeah. specifically on Amazon. Yeah. And Jason, I, I think 
and tell me if, if this is what, the kind of point you're trying to make. Picking one means not picking out of 100,000 yeah. different internet business models. And yeah. that, a lot to me personally, can be torture. Yeah. Picking one means not picking the other ones. It's that opportunity cost. It's that FOMO. It's hard. And it's something that affects this generation more than any other generation in history. We did not have these options. Yeah, and totally. That's I try to think about it. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I think the thing that I would say is when you take a course like introduction to whatever, one of the exercises is seeing the land. You just want to see the big landscape because what we frequently do is optimize to a local maxima as Elon Musk, the genius on the planet says, which is we hear about something, we start optimizing it and we optimize in our way into a cul-de-sac. I don't know, they call it a cul-de-sac in London, Michael, but it's like a dead end street. And uh, you get to the point where I'm optimizing the heck out of this business model, but I never even heard of drop shipping. What's drop shipping? Or I've never even heard of these other models. And you've optimized your way into down a deep rabbit hole, to mix my metaphors. And you haven't stuck your head up to say, what other lay of the land is out there that might be a better skill set match, better passion match, better prior experience match? And those are the elements that need to go into the exercise at the beginning to really figure out what is optimal for you. We got ourselves into digital goods in a niche way in 2009 in the sewing industry. And we've been on that track for 12 years or whatever it is, 13 years. And so the, yeah, I do challenge people to just look at the 30,000 foot view as much as possible when they're starting out. So there you go. That's my hot take. Wow. Some, some deep thoughts here. I think there's, I guess that, that's one thing that strikes me is that as you're saying, Chris, there's so much mental head trash that goes with this somehow and we need to find a mindful path through these options kyle what's your take on this obviously you come like me from a sort of fairly focused amazon private label slash custom product background but you're now working on a broader canvas with jason and you're winning on shopify sure. now become winning online which in itself tells a story so how do you approach helping clients let's get a bit more practical now because we've dealt with some of the problem and the options how do you actually go through a process to help people choose which way to focus yeah no it's a great question I, there are two big paths to if you're starting out from scratch, that's a different starting point than if you already have a business and you're looking to extend your business. If you're looking for business models to add on. For example, you have a physical product, you're already selling it. You want to add digital products as an extension. It's a different conversation. You're going to be approaching it with some guide rails, with some obviously you're not going to be going in a totally different market. You're going to try and stay in the market that you're in that you have customers and you have sales and you have experience in to build those digital products ideally so there's some guide rails with that it's a great question around what how do you approach it like what decisions do you make and i think it does really start with a, an audit of your own strengths the strengths of your businesses that you that the business that you're in and the, the market that you're in and you're looking for gaps i mean every business needs an edge and i would say that every new business model either if you're starting from scratch or if you're doing it as an extension you really need to be thinking about how do i find my edge how can i make this for example you're just going to be uh growing your influencer marketing just as not even a business model but even drill it down even further to a business like a channel a marketing channel it how do you provide new content to that space from a, a unique or different way i think you have to be really cognizant of those things. One mental model, this is just an easy way to, to think about any decision-making process when, when you think about it, is the 10-10-10 rule. 
And it, this is highly simplified and there's other, there's a lot of other nuance that you need to, to factor into this. But one thing you can do really quickly is think about the decision that you're going to make regarding anything in your business or in life. And are you going to feel good about it in the next 10 minutes? That's a good decision. Are you, do you think you're going to feel good about it in the next 10 months? Do you think you're going to feel good about this decision in 10 years? And the idea behind it is that you want to try to pull yourself away from the emotional attachment of making those decisions, particularly around doing something new. If you're wired like an entrepreneur, you're going to be like, I got to get in this. I want to figure this out. I'm excited about it. You need to back away from it just a bit and get a little bit of perspective. So asking yourself in 10 months and in 10 years, is this going to be a good decision for my family, for my business and for me personally? That helps you to think more long term and helps curtail some of that jumping from thing to thing that we're all prone to when we're looking at different business models and extensions. So once you get a big picture and you look at all of the different models that are out there and, and ways to make money and extend, now you go through that sorting process. And one, one sorting process is building in these models of decision making that allow you to get to the ideally the best outcome while avoiding sort of the traps and pitfalls of emotional decision-making. I like that, avoiding emotional decision-making. So my sort of hot takes on this, for my money, uh, and it depends how you're wired, doesn't it? The, the, the truth is, to the point you made, Chris, I think it's incredibly important. And you mentioned also an audit of yourself, Kyle. I think it does come from the sort of person you are. I'm a very conceptual-driven person, so I suppose for me, it feels like you need to get four concepts at some point, not necessarily intellectually, but grasp them. The first one is, what, what is a business model? As opposed to make money online or make money on Amazon or whatever it is we've been and advertise that and to begin to rip our heads around the real basics of what is a business model i suppose it means what kind of product we sell how we get the products or so sourcing strategies um which is famously the, the main difference between a lot of amazon you know type business models how we sell it so the sales channel strategy traffic challenge strategies the capital requirements which often glossed over and the risk and reward balance which i think is very often glossed over particularly by people who are trying to sell a course <laughs> understandably and i think also understanding there's a difference between a business model and a channel chris you just pointed out that there are 20 different business models that even amazon will tell you that they could you can perform on their channel which is different from should you sell on Shopify? And I think clarifying that is is important. And then really, we talked about pre-existing models that are out there, and, and Jason, you've got a big list of them. I think the self-analysis piece is really important. To your point, Chris, I, I think you nailed that straight away and really critical point, which is a lot of us don't know what we want until we get into action. And I'm a bit like that. I'm not very good at working precisely to goals. And I think that's okay as long as we don't con continue down a path without clarifying goals. Some, some of us, like myself, would do stuff and then figure out why afterwards. But I think as long as we have that figuring out at some point, and as you said, if you're willing to talk to somebody who's been there before, we can short circuit. We can't avoid necessarily this uncertainty of why am I doing anything, but we can short circuit that. I think that self-analysis along with somebody else helping is really important. And I think the final piece that strikes me is that the fourth area is matching up ourselves and a business model. And to your point, Carl, having a structured process really helps, I think. So that's my take on it. I think it helps to have a few sort of conceptual frameworks to, again, I'll just stand back from the emotion of it. And to your point there, Chris, not get caught up in the latest shiny objects. So that's my response. Let's, let's, let's plunge back in. Um, I'm going to risk just opening the floor to whoever feels most passionately. One, one thing quickly on that, get feedback from other people. You laid out a really great framework but like you have your own vision in your own blinders on when you're looking at and making decisions. So get input from people that are not, are not you is one also safe way to make better decisions about stuff. Like talk to your significant other, your spouse, your business partners, 
talk to people that you know trust get a coach like chris talked about earlier who's already been there and done it and can give you some feedback on it as well that that's one way to really get clarity and get distance dude i would tell people don't just like you were saying don't chase money because there's always gonna be something else that you can do that will make more money so if you're always like looking to be like you know what i saw so you can make more money doing that probably but it might not be something you're good at or that you like so you can make all this money and do something you actually don't even like and that's no fun and you can make a lot of money doing something that you actually enjoy if you can match up something that fits your interests your skills your passions your talents as well as your income goals and i think people need to have realistic income goals instead of oh if i don't make a million dollars i'm a failure so whatever you can make half a million dollars that's awesome but don't be think you're a failure because you didn't make, you know, 1 million. It's just like weird million dollar thing that gets, gets thrown around. But I want to say like one more thing. And it says on what Kyle was saying, it's okay to pivot. It's okay to stop. It's okay to try something and say, you know what? I'm not really feeling this and try something else. And that's okay. But I think a lot of people, they, they worry about too much of what other people are going to say. Oh, I saw you tried that and you're not doing that anymore. You're like a failure or a loser. Like one, if you got people like that in your life, cut them out, but it's totally okay to pivot rather than get into like sunk costs and be like, can't give up these sunk costs. No, forget it. And, and here's an example I think will help people. Like people who have like a commercial space, right? A commercial office or, or a warehouse or something. They generally have to sign like a three or a five year lease. And when that comes up and you got to say, okay, are we going to do this for five more years? And if you are, if you sign that lease, then mentally that's what you're doing for five years. And don't go in for two years and be like, I, I heard about this. And you're off looking at shiny object stuff again. So no, you committed to five years to this. Now, when five years comes up and that lease comes back up and the landlord says, hey, do you want to sign a new lease? I'm going to raise your rent. And I'm going to do this. You say, do I want to do this for five more years or do I want to do something else? And put your life into chunks like this other than you're just going to go daily and be like, I heard about merch. I'm going to go run and do that. No, you're doing something very successful. You're like right here. Don't get distracted. Make a little list and say, you know what? I want to spend a little time in my free time looking at what merch by Amazon is. That might be something I want to add or maybe even pivot to in the future. But yet, once you commit to something, you have to see it through at a certain level. Otherwise, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think Gary V says you can't be half pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not, right? So you either have to be working on something or not. And that's it. Instead of doing a bunch of different things. If you're doing that, you're not going to be doing any of them very well. Love it. Great takes. Jason. Yeah. Three quick hot takes. I'll just rattle them off and then we can chime in on it as you'd like on them. The first thing would be beware the infopreneur's rhetoric. And what I mean by that is you'll frequently hear people selling a model like, oh, retail arbitrage, that's the best thing. And they'll downplay the other models like, oh, it's drop shipping's horrible. No one makes money in drop shipping. Do my model. That's all marketing rhetoric. I, I didn't know anybody who crushed it with drop ship shipping until I did. <laughs> and then when I saw what they were doing, I was like, holy smokes, that model really, that really, mo it's got some energy there. That works. But you just, you, you don't want to um, get trash talked out of a model that could be right for you by infopreneurs who are downplaying the merits of a model. So that's, you know, one pro tip. Another thing is the best model for you at the beginning is any model you could learn professionally from a true expert. That's the best model for you at the beginning. Because to Chris's point, Kyle's point, you can pivot. And what you don't want to do is do a half a backflip to use the gymnastics term, with a model 
and then conclude that it's not a good model. So professionalism in your educational and, and, and training of it in it is really vital. I always tell the story, but when I was in high school, sophomore year, I wanted to learn to play the guitar. So I went down to the local music shop. Another guy in my high school also wanted to play the guitar. His name was Norman Hetzel. We both started at the same time. I learned from a guy at the local music shop. This nice guy, his name's Jim. Norman parents drove him to San Francisco because they heard Christopher Parkening's student who like learned from Segovia, who's like the classic guitarist of forever was in San Francisco. He learned from them. So in the fall, like in October that year, we have the Renaissance fair. I don't know if you guys had those in your high school, Norman Hetzel gets up with his classical guitar and he just starts rocking the house with this song. And I was still learning like, G chord, C chord, and Norman Hetzel is just wowing an entire audience. And the lesson I learned from that was he went and found the super amazing coach. That person and the process of having that coach in the high level got him to a level of uh, implementation that was mastery. And I think that's really critical. So whoever you can learn from that's really, that you can prove really knows what they're doing and, and research it, go with them to learn a model and then decide to pivot. And the third and final thing is product is absolutely the most important thing. This is a product selling endeavor and you cannot make money with a commodity product that's non-differentiated and non-marketed marketed creatively. Now, anybody can make money doing anything if they know what they're doing. So a commodity can be sold if it's packaged well, or but you get my point. But generally speaking, what we see most frequently as coaches is people who are trying to build a business on an also-ran, me-too, undifferentiated product that they don't have any unique advantage for. Now, I get arbitrage. I understand if you buy low and there's a marketplace for it, you can make great money. But my point is the product is preeminent in the whole process. And most people fail to really think through a product strategy that will get them an outcome that's a successful positive outcome for them in terms of profit and all that. So those are my three hot takes. There you go. Amazing. I, I can hear the brains around the, the table buzzing to respond. So go ahead, gents. I got my thoughts, but go on. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I, I always love that guitar story from Jason, but I also you got a little it. bit lost on it as soon as he said a Renaissance fair, because I couldn't get the picture of him at a Renaissance fair playing a loop oh, out of my mind, wearing, wearing like a little minstrel thing or running around and playing it. <laughs> so that was like stuck in my brain for the rest of his, uh, his conversation. But no, where you start, exactly, the whole thing, it was, it was crazy. Now, to just pivot off quickly what Jason said beyond the Renaissance Fair was one thing that we've seen with clients as well when they're making a decision where to get started, especially if they're just coming from the beginning, is they'll leave 20 or 30 years of knowledge and experience on the table in an industry to go try and do something else and get into a brand new industry. And they get a little bit maybe bored or burned out with uh, the industry that they've been in, whether it's cars or cooking or whatever it is, food. And they're like, I'm going to go into the beauty category now because that looks exciting and fun. Or I saw somebody make a bunch of money on YouTube and I think it's a good idea. So one of the things that we will do with all of our clients and just their conversation, tell us about your background. Where are you at? Where are you starting from? And very often 
they're going to have some core level of competency that they have. Even, for example, even like finance, maybe they had spent 20 years as a CPA or they're really good with finance. That's an amazing starting point. Now, you may not sell an e-commerce product based on financial products, but you're going to have a really strong foundation in which to build upon around how to run a business successfully. Where you get history that you bring to the table and your experience, don't discount that for where you should get started. I just want to jump in and completely disagree with Jason about this whole guitar story, which is his story. So I had all the details of the story, but I've heard a guitar story and I forget exactly who it was from. I think it was, it might've been Mark Manson's. Eddie Mark Van Manson's Halen. What? <laughs> no, but it was, the story was being told by the author of this book. I can't remember what it is. And he was at school and he, they were both, it was a music school and he learned to play guitar. And, and there was this other kid and he talked to him and he's like, man, I'm just not, I can't find enough time to like practice and do all these things. And the other kid was like, what are you talking about? You can't find time. to. And the other kid just liked to practice, enjoyed practicing, loved practicing. It was not homework. It was not schoolwork. It was not a burden. It was not something they had to do with, like for school. It was like they really liked it. And the point was, he that was when this guy figured out, wait a minute, like this isn't for me. I can see this guy loves the guitar. I don't love the guitar. I like the guitar and I want to get better at it, but it's not something he was incredibly passionate about. He had that kind of epiphany moment because if you're not passionate about something, you can go see Eddie Van Halen and, and Clapton and Prince and be like, it, you're still not going to get it. Prince will be there and be like, dude, this is how you do it. And you're like, yeah, but I'm still struggling with my G chord. But if you love it, you're going to be practicing that G chord in your yes. sleep, in your spare time. And that's the difference. And <laughs> now, no, God, wait, now this has turned into a debate. I have to do a rebuttal. That, that's true. Okay. But one point, in that context, if you have two people who are mutually passionate on seven out of seven passion, let's say both of them, the coach in their system raises their expertise and the feedback loop and the performance requirements, that definitely adds an X factor that will get the first 100%. person with a great coach way farther than the second person. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. 100%. I agree on that. And I love your backflip example. Like you can't do half a backflip. I, I was just begging for you to say, cause you're going to fall on your head, right? That to me, that's the half backflip, not the half backflip. Cause like you're like, no, the half backflip, you're going to hurt yourself if you do a half exactly. backflip. Like, yep. If you can't do it all the way, don't even do it. Right. I'm maybe on a mattress or in a pool or something. Be like me at the Olympics trying to do the freestyle snowboard event. If they're flipping around, like I would just end up in the hospital. That's all that would happen. <laughs> I, I love this stuff. What's hilarious to me is listening to other people talk about um, music learning stuff. Obviously, I spent several years of my life in music college. My wife did. She teaches piano. And it's very interesting trying to work out exactly why people are successful or not at this stuff. The, the couple of other things I would put in, if it's a valid metaphor, and I think it's trying to achieve anything, isn't it? It's, see, we're going down an interesting rabbit hole, but I think it is. it, it speaks to mentality, doesn't it, and relationship to coaches and commitment. I would say... Oh, hello. Thank you, camera. It's very helpful timing. I would say the other missing pieces are, number one, if you travel to San Francisco from whatever, Northern California, that's a long trek, right? Or wherever it is, a significant city, name, name your city that's a long way from you and costs a lot of money to get to. Because you paid, you pay attention. And to your point, Chris, this kind of feels like it ties in. Being forced to decide on a lease for five years is often advertised as one of the downsides of running a retail store as opposed to um, e-commerce or something. The flexibility seems like a good thing. But it reminds me of the book called The Paradox of Choice, which, of course, means that, to your point, Chris, extremely valid. That th this generation or two right now is facing a horrendous amount of choice, and it takes a lot of brain power to decide stuff. Being forced to decide on things for particular periods 
feels to me a bit like related like you get in the car on the way to san francisco to go to some guy you're, you're paying 100 bucks an hour 200 bucks an hour to get lessons from you're going to get quite serious about it for a while there can be some difficult conversations before you give them up and i think there's something about reducing choice and committing to expensive education and expensive and difficult treks if you go on a you know pilgrimage to las vegas to go to the um prosper show i personally would rather stick you know bike spokes in my eyes but i know some of my my clients one of whom sold a seven-figure business that loves that you know what that they all of this stuff feels to me it's almost about reducing choice for me what are your thoughts on that yeah i totally there is a, a very real phenomenon known as decision fatigue mm-hmm. and uh, i think it was barack obama or something they asked him about it one time because he always wore a blue tie if you ever saw Obama, it, 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 like any president, it almost seems like they always just wear the exact same tie. It's the exact same mm-hmm. suit. It's never any different. And the reason why someone asked about it, it's all laid out and it's exactly the same. So I, have to, I don't have to make a decision about it. Yeah. He's because I have really important decisions I need to make. And you don't want to deplete your decision making c- c- capacity by expending all that capital and that thought and, and, and the thinking and decision making processes on stuff that really doesn't matter. And so I thought that's really interesting to your point. I think that if you can reduce some of that to really save your decision-making capital for things that really matter and are important, uh, you're much better off and much wiser for it. Excellent. Amazing. We ought to uh, bring this to a close. Any sort of final thoughts for everyone? As you said, Chris, it's an involved, complex thing. Agreed with that. But anything that we can say that would help people move on in their thinking? I think people really just have to be okay with committing to something and being okay with not doing a bunch of other things. Otherwise, like decision fatigue, you'll be decision exhausted because there are literally too many business models to even try in a single lifetime. And it's a little bit of a curse of our generation. And we certainly... Like we humans weren't made for this, to be honest, to have to make all of these decisions and choices. So it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Blessing that we have these options that generations before us simply did not have, but a curse in the sense of we weren't made for this. So we have to navigate this in a fresh new way. And that's why I say find mentors, find uh, communities, but just find anybody that you can talk to and get their advice. Because if you get a little bit of confirmation and validation from someone else, it can make that decision a lot easier. If someone else says, yeah, you'd be really good at this. Like, you think, oh, okay, cool. And then you can move forward. And you don't have to try things for five years. You can try things in, in one day and see if you like them. But eventually, you got to commit. And this is the perfect example. This is the test. Think of anybody out there. Are they no, like the most famous people, the, most, the biggest experts, the most knowledgeable people? Are they known for one thing or for more than one thing? And I'm betting you're going to see that it's, they're all known for one thing because they actually committed. They went all in on something instead of like just, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do Amazon. I'm not going to be the CEO of Amazon anymore. I'm going to go and try this little side project kind of thing over here. No, it doesn't work that way. They're known for one big thing. Right. It's worth it. Don't give up. I spent 10 years driven up inflatable camping furniture and other stupid ideas that never went anywhere, not knowing what I was doing, watching Dave Espino on infomercials. And now I look back all those years later, and I'm so glad I leaned into e-commerce selling, building our own business. It transformed our life. I retired from my nine to five career in January 1st, 2014, and, and never looked back. Not to say I don't work more now than I did then, but it's life-changing. And so I would just encourage people to never give up, keep learning, keep pivoting until you find some pay dirt that you can get excited about and lean into and scale. And you'll look back with no regret if you do your best in the moment to try to find how you can move forward. And so I just encourage people not to not to give up. 
Okay, that. That's a good point. This will take longer than people think. Yes. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with that. And don't pivot in the MIG backflip to mix your metaphors there. <laughs> Kyle, what's your final thought? Make a decision and commit to it. I would just echo what Chris said. Like You have to commit to it. And then I think to echo what Jason said, it is worth it. You have to have the goal in mind. In any sort of business venture that you're going to be launching into, get clear on what a good outcome for you is going to look like, but a realistic outcome. Are you going to make a million dollars in your first year? Probably not. If you make $10,000 in your first year or $100,000 in your first year, that's a measurable outcome that you're like, okay, I can push towards this and then align your daily and weekly goals to accomplish that as a measurement of whether or not you've hit your goal or not. And if you get to 100,000 and you made that, and then, then you can reevaluate, is this model, am I having, have I'm enjoying it? Is Yeah, it might be a lot of work. I might be struggling with it, but am I getting fulfillment out of it? Am I, do I see a way for me to achieve my ultimate goal and outcome, whether, whether that's to quit your job or to stay, spend more time with your family, whatever is your goal for that business is to produce in your life, just make sure you're aligned on it and that it's actually serving the lifestyle and the life that you want to have and you don't become a slave to that business or that business idea. And then you got- the, the only summary I would say uh, to add to that is enjoy the process, enjoy the game. The people that I know, the irony is that the people I know that have grown the businesses, the biggest and fastest that I know personally that I've worked with are the people who enjoy the game the most. So they would, in a sense, be okay with not having the money. And they enjoy the fruits of the money, but they enjoy the game more than the money. I think if I had to choose between the, the Maserati or, or the McLaren and, and all the nice cars versus being in the business they're in, I think they'd choose the business because they enjoy the game. So I think that's the most important thing to really brings us full circle to the point you were making, Chris, which is you got to do something you enjoy. <laughs> Basics of life. Really great uh, conversation, gents. Um, thank you very much for everyone who's been listening from Jason's uh, Facebook group. And if you're watching us or, or listening to us, rather call in live or um, listening on the e-commerce leader. Lots of ways you can get us now. Call-in app is, we're growing in our followership there and we're going up the, the charts. So do join us there. It's only available on iPhone at the moment, as far as I know, but do go and download that easy to use app. Do follow us on Spotify if you are a podcast listener or Apple Podcasts. And uh, don't forget to give us some kind of love or review. I believe, Jason, you were saying that Spotify now enables you to give some kind of rating for podcasts. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just search for e-commerce with or without the hyphen between the E and the C and you should find our show. Love to have you follow it and then uh, rate it and review it as well on Spotify. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to us. And thanks to our expert panel, Jason Miles, Chris Green, Kyle Hamer. This is Michael Beasy, London, England, signing off. Thanks very much for listening to the e-commerce leader call-in show. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.